0: Father, this evening, once again, we come to you, Lord. Yes, Father, you are the God of breakthrough. Your delays are not denials. And I know, I know, Lord, in the church, so many are there waiting for their breakthrough, Lord. They are hung in there, Lord. They waited patiently, Lord. But from the father of believers, Abraham, the walk of faith always is only a walk of faith. Help us to wait until you break through for us. Help us not in our impatience do anything, Lord. Even tonight we pray, Lord, that you will speak to us. If there's anybody who has come here with a heavy heart, with a disturbed mind, that you would speak to us. You would teach us from your word that your thoughts and your ways are forever established in the heavens. It should be established in our lives too, Lord. Speak, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are some controversial passages in the Bible today. We look at one of those very, very controversial passages in the Bible, which is found in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21 to 28. Then Jesus went out from that, from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, have mercy on me. O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely demon possessed And he answered her, not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs and she said yes lord yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table and jesus answered and said to her o oh woman great is your faith let it be to you as you desire and her daughter was healed from that very hour this is one of those controversial passages in the bible for modern readers because In our days, in our times, everyone is trying to be politically correct because we have incredibly sensitive people walking around like on eggshells. So people try to be very correct in their speech. Gender neutral, actually, now in US. Sin tolerant, we don't want to call it that, but that's what our speech is. So when these people read this passage, this day, They said, did you really call her a dog? A woman of another race, did you really call her a dog? Man, he sounds more like Trump than Jesus. Because last week, just last week in Pennsylvania, in one of his big meetings, he The President of America uses words like that. No, he said, that sleeping son of a dash, dash, dash. Now we look at it and Jesus is calling somebody a dog. And we have to admire this lady. She's quick-minded. And she's got a quick wit. And she has, Jesus says, great faith." you need to have a quick mind and you have a quick wit okay i know I have told this before but if you have forgotten one of those incredible gentlemen was uh, abraham lincoln he was truly this were truly great men he had an incredible heart humble heart and great wit let me tell about the humble heart first those days you could meet the president of us okay so one lady uh asked for an appointment and finally she got an appointment and then when she was ushered into his presence, he said yes madam, what can I do for you? And she said, no I don't want you to do anything for me. I just want to thank you for what you have done for the nation. Fam, right? She baked a cake or cookie or something and said, Mr. President, I just want to give this as a thank you from a citizen. And record says he started crying. He said, you are the only one in all these years who needed nothing from me but brought something from me for me Okay, so you, you need to realize what it means to be at that top and the pressure but he had incredible wit too I don't know whether it is really his but it's attributed to him the British ambassador once visiting the White House and chilling uh, president you know Mr. Lincoln the sun never sets on the British Empire. Because the British Empire stretched from one end of the world to the other end. The sun never sets on the British Empire. So he looked up and said, maybe the good Lord does not trust you in the dark. (laughs) Another story is attributed to him where the French ambassador, I think, was came into his chambers and he found the president polishing his shoes. And he was shocked and said, Mr. President, in France, we do not, presidents do not polish their shoes. Then he looked at him and then whose shoes do they polish? (laughs) That's called wit, okay? Quick mind and wit. So here you look at that. Jesus says, food from the master's table is not for dogs. She immediately turns around, quick-witted, and she said, But Lord, even little dogs eat crumbs that fall from their master's table. That's called quick, intelligent, quick, wonderful response. But tonight we are looking at great faith. It's Raj leading us, ended up with, we need a breakthrough. This is a lady who needs a breakthrough. Okay? What makes, what is the difference between ordinary faith and great faith? If I'm right in the entire gospels, Jesus only commended two people for great faith and both were unbelievers. They were not Jews. One was a centurion, another is a Canaanite woman and he both commended them and said, great is your faith. And remember it is not any man who is commending him, commending her, it is Jesus who is commending our faith. What makes faith great. First thing, what makes faith great, if you want that breakthrough, you need to be really desperate. This woman is desperate. If you go through the Gospels of people's encounter with Jesus, you will always see these desperate people and the crowds. What separates the desperate from the crowds. There were quite a few people who were desperate and when they were desperate, it didn't matter to them who they were and what they were. You see Jairus, is a ruler of a synagogue, a big man, a rich man, but he's so desperate because his daughter is dying and he rushes and he falls on his knees before Jesus. Desperation, led to his breakthrough. You know what, Zacchaeus is the richest man in Jericho, and is a chief tax collector. And he's a big man, a rich man. But he was desperate to see Jesus. Therefore, he put aside his position and fame and reputation, everything. He climbed up a tree for a peak. That was the day of his breakthrough. You know, Bartimaeus was blind and he was sitting there shouting, I mean sitting there. And then he heard the murmur of the crowd, the sound of the crowd. And he must have heard that Jesus was passing by. And then he cries out, he was desperate. All the shouts of the people couldn't keep him quiet. He shouted even more louder because he realized, I never know whether he will pass this way again. So he was desperate. We know about the woman with an issue of blood, how many blocks were there in front of her. Everything was against her, because scripture is very clear. She had an issue of blood for 12 years. Today we will say she was anemic and weak, absolutely weak. Second scripture says she had wasted all her money, so she's poor. Third, the law is against her. The law says if you touch somebody, that person becomes unclean. Fourth, there is a huge crowd where Peter says he's pressing against her. But she is desperate. She's desperate. And here, you have a mother who is desperate. The truth is, until we are really, really desperate, We will not do anything to get through to God. In Jeremiah 29 and verse 12, Scripture says, Then you will call upon me and go pray to me and I will listen to you. Then you will. Which version is that? Is that KTV? Any KTV? Okay. Then you will seek. Then you will pray. Then I will listen to you. God says, when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Now she's desperate. And nothing is going to stop her. She's so desperate. The disciples are trying to put her away. Jesus doesn't answer her. If you read the two portions in Matthew and Mark, you will see he actually goes from the street inside. A Canaanite woman in her desperation follows a crowd of Jewish men. Unthinkable. Unthinkable unthinkable. Just think about it. A bunch of Brahmins entering into a room and a Dalituman entering into that house. Think. She is desperate. One man of God said it this way. Christians do not drink of the living water because there is no consuming thirst for God. The situation is desperate but the saints are not. See, Indians never really prayed until recently. Now they have woken up. Now they strategically have learned to pray because they needed to come to that point where they had only God and nobody else. They had to come. The problem is the first breakthrough comes, people start slackening off again. And God says, go back. Read the book of Judges. If you want to live that way, go in cycles. Okay. We need to realize the situation is desperate. But saints are not. Over and over in the gospel we will see desperate people approached the men of God in the Old Testament or in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. They approached Jesus or the apostles. In some cases you will see that people were so desperate but they were helpless. Absolutely helpless. There was no way they could reach Jesus or the apostles. So you will see Jesus approach those desperate people. So you will see a Samaritan woman. There's no way she's ever going to find relief in life. So Jesus walks and meets at her point of desperation and sets her free. There's a 38 year old man, crippled, sitting by the pool, desperate. But he doesn't even know Jesus. But Jesus knows him and Jesus will go meet him and set him free. There is a widow at Nain a place called Nain and it's the funeral of her son her son is dead and scripture is very clear her only son her only son she's a widow and her only son is dead And the cottage is going. The dead body is going. And then there is two groups are coming. One side, Jesus is coming. The stream of life. Another group is going. A mourners with a dead body and their clash. Scripture says Jesus stops them. Raises the young man back to life. And give it to the mother. The woman was desperate. But there was no way she could do anything. And Jesus meets. You need to realize. If you want a breakthrough. What differentiates ordinary faith and great faith? There is a desperation. God waits in so many situations until we come to that point. Because desperation will bring a boldness that was never there before. It will bring a boldness. A boldness, not with arrogance, but with humility. Not demanding rights, but seeking mercy. Scripture says over here, she came, fell at his feet, and worshipped him. A boldness seeking mercy, not rights. The writer of Hebrews will tell us in Hebrews 4 and verse 16, come boldly to the throne room of grace, that we may obtain mercy. But if you notice how believers who know the word pretty well these days, they don't approach with humility. They forget this mercy part. And they're busy confessing their rights. It sounds arrogant in the throne room of heaven. This woman approached with boldness, incredible humility, falling at his feet and crying out for mercy. That's first, even here, when people use this term boldly and quote Hebrews 4.16, remember, it is mercy. And When you are approaching for mercy, through the Bible you will see whenever people approach for mercy, the attitude, the heart and the body language is different. Before receiving mercy, nobody can find grace. Nobody can find grace. We need mercy first. We need mercy first. And she's crying. And she's humble. She's bold. But she's incredibly humble. But today, like I said, we demand grace. We hardly seek mercy. You see, unlike the biblical times, Old or New Testament, 20th century, it's so different. We don't realize. Even us believers for so many years. In so many ways. Science, technology and government. Has replaced God. In our lives. In our lives. Just today. Two times or three times. We just turned a knob. And we had our cooking fire ready. Yet when we read. The portions in the scripture we see of the poor and the desperate Elijah's widow who fed him till the famine was over when we meet her first is gathering dry sticks to light her last fire. We are never desperate that way. Illness was deadly. Very few survived. Infant mortality Adult mortality was very high. That's why when you talk about people bring 2000 years ago, entire population of the world, they will say was maybe 200 million. Today we are looking at 7 billion. It was desperate. There was no cures. So they sought a profit. A man in the Bible could wait 38 hours sitting beside a pool waiting for that water to stir which happened only once a year. They were so desperate. They would follow Jesus. Cry out for mercy. Today we go to Apollo. Call 911. Go to Apollo. Which is another God by the way. The God of healing in Roman mythology. You don't go to Jesus. We go to Apollo. You see, we are not desperate. Because so many things are in our control. Are in our control. Like I said on Sunday, we need to be excellent. But don't take that excellent and take take control back in our lives. Back in our lives. Control should be always in His hands. When we have no money, we take a loan. When we can't repay that, we take another loan. and we can't repay that loan, we flee the country. See, desperation is rarely there. The point of total dependence. The question is, how desperate are we? Yes, we heard As we heard all of those who are waiting for a breakthrough. How desperate are we? How desperate are we to, without telling anybody like Jesus told in the book of Matthew, are we willing to go on a 7 day, a 21 day, a 40 day fast? Saturday we had a pastor's conference after the morning session. We went, uh, pastors went for lunch. A few pastors hadn't gone, so I went and met them and said, please, please, why don't you go? And they said, we are all on a 40-day fast. How desperate are we? She was desperate, and nothing was going to stop her that day. From this incident, there are different incidents in the Bible from today, from this portion. We will see. One of the signs that distinguishes great faith in the eyes of God from ordinary faith is there is a desperation in the hearts of the seeker. They are desperate and nothing is gonna put them away. They're not going to let the crowds, they're not going to let the, the, the words of the disciples, they're not going to let walls stop them. Remember the walls and the crowd stopped the man who was crippled and his four friends came and broke the roof and set him down. And Jesus looked at them and he was amazed at their fate. He was pleased. How desperate are we? Second thing, great faith takes no offense. Whether it is a dog or a little dog, a dog is a dog is a dog. Isaac called false prophets dogs. Paul told the believers in Philippi, if I am right, watch out for those dogs. Referring to false teachers. James when he talks about dogs, he talks about those people who go back to their woman. Whichever way you look, Whether you are called a Pomeranian or a Doberman or a street dog, it is still a dog. It's an insult. The question is, what do you do when you are insulted? You are desperate and the person you go to insults you. Intentionally or unintentionally. What do you do? Proverbs 12 and verse 16, I put both NIV and uh, uh, NLT. A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. Prudent man overlooks an insult. A fool is quick tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. He takes his time. Six months, Donald Trump waited. Then yesterday he told the Secretary of State, you are fired. Why? Six months ago, he, in a private conversation, called his president who appointed him, you are a moron. He waited. He didn't react immediately. He waited. He waited. Six months, he waited. Right. And finally, from the Air Force One, he called him up and said, you're out. Okay. Okay. You need to really, the smart people around. A fool is quick tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. Offense. Jesus wants us to guard our hearts against offense. To stay calm and persist. To Many people walk away feeling offended of some supposed insult. All over the world, especially in churches, they come on a Sunday morning, they want God to answer immediately. Something in the sermon or something somebody says offends them and they go and never come back. And without realizing that particular day was the turning point of their life when they started going down. Because there's only one place and one person who can give you a breakthrough. It is God. Do remember Naman? He was offended. He was offended. Pride and leprosy. What an incredible combination. Have you ever seen a proud leper? Look at my nose. Look at my fingers. We think trouble will humble people. Not necessarily. In Second Kings chapter 5, look at it. Naman became furious. He came and he's standing outside Alicia's house. Sends a word. The servant comes and says, My master says, Go to the river Jordan. Dip yourself seven times. You will be fine. You are desperate, but not so desperate. Why you have? Leprosy. He was furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord is God. Wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. He was saying, as soon as I go, say, Naman, the general of Syria has come in. The prophet will come running out. It will be a spectacle. He will call upon the name of his God and wave his hand. And I will be standing like this. Let your God move. What did he say? He didn't even come out. And he sent a word through a servant. What is that word? Go wash in river? Jordan. Compared to the rivers of Damascus, Jordan is like a muddy river. Are not Abana and Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Understand that. When we are offended, we miss the mercy. And we miss the grace. And we miss the purpose of God. One of the things, God's children have to guard their hearts not get offended. Everything was done to offend her. But she was not offended. Jesus does stuff. Okay. Now if you read this season, especially his final days, if you look at Jesus' life, everything was done to offend him. From the time of his arrest till his death, everything was done by the devil through the hands and the lips of men to offend him so that God's plan will fail. But Jesus refused to be offended. He refused to fall into that trap. You see, in most issues, issues, dealing with individuals, families, organizations, churches, institutions, etc. Issues are never resolved because people take offense. People take offense. That's why issues are not resolved. That's why scripture says very clearly in James chapter 1 and verse 19, scripture says, My beloved brethren, let every man be swift to ear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. When we are offended, we don't listen carefully. We pick on that wrong note or that wrong word in our perception. Look at these two verses side by side, okay, Second Kings 5:10. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, "Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean." Such a simple instruction. But he's proud. He's come with that already he has in his mind. Because that's how he is used to. He's, other than the king, he's number two in Syria. So he's always used to even priests in Syria bowing before him and running to serve him. So when he saw this, he was offended first because the prophet didn't come out. Second, he had expected there'd be a spectacle. Where he will come and wave his hand and all. That also didn't happen. Third, told him, go wash in river, Jordan. So you will see, he will pick up on all these three things. He didn't come out. He didn't do the way I wanted him to do. And then, this muddy river over here. In Matthew 15, 26, Jesus is saying, He answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Two cases side by side. In the first case, the solution is very clearly offered. But the offense, it didn't happen according to your position. In the second case, if you are wise, you will listen to his answer. She has two choices here, like everybody has. Either pick on this one word or listen carefully. Listen carefully or pick on that word. If you are, like we we say, I mean, in literature, they will teach you. It is called uh, foregrounding and backgrounding. We don't see everything the way we see. Now when you are looking... All the things you have backgrounded, you see me. You don't see the background clearly. That's how our eye operates. That's also the way our mind operates. Okay? We foreground certain things, we background. So if you are a proud person, when you hear this, you will foreground dogs and background the rest. What did he call me? What did you call? It? Let's say a teacher says, "Your answer scripts are never legible." Stupid. And the first thing in your mind is, what did she call that? So you never will find a solution to your problem. Your solution to your problem is your answer scripts are not legible. You will carry this illegibility all through your life and keep failing because you got offended by that one word, "stupid," and never looked at what the issue was. And so many people miss out on the real issues because the background of foreground words, which may be offensive, but that's not the issue. The issue is, are you desperate for a solution? Or are you going to be put off by little things? That's what happens in every family with husband and wife, parents and children, organizations, everything. Issues cannot be resolved because whenever there is a fight or something, what is that? He called me that. She said that. She called me buffalo. It's a common thing in India. If you had wit, when somebody calls you buffalo, you should say, death rides on my back. Do you see how we miss it? If you're wise, if you're humble, and you're wise, you will listen carefully. If you listen carefully, first thing you will see is, he is not saying, it is impossible. I have hope here. I have hope here. Everywhere there was no hope. And suddenly if he had said, Oh, that's not possible. And you go hopeless. He's not even saying that. He says, why should I take children's bread and give it to little dogs? Meaning he can do it. There's a solution here. Now I'm not going to get offended by one word over here. I'm gonna persist, and if I persist, I may get a solution. You know what? My child will be free. My child will be free. are really humble before God, especially. It's absolutely okay if he calls you a dog, because none of us are worthy of anything anyway. You should watch the immigration debate in US. It's fine. Very funny. Why? How people react? You jumped across the wall you sneaked into another country and you're standing there arrogantly and says, I have rights. Boy, you have no rights. Be humble and say, please, please, I made a mistake. I've lived here for 10 years. I asked for mercy. Please, instead they're fighting. And you don't get the sympathy of the citizens. Because if you have the sympathy of the citizens, the citizens will put pressure on the Congress, change the law and give them citizenship. Instead, your arrogance never brings you sympathy. Offense makes you lose sight of the issue. And you forget the target. You forget what are you here for. That's what happens in these boxing fights and all. Why they will call the opposing fellow names and all. Because the opposing fellow has come prepared. He has watched all the replays of this fellow's previous matches. He knows every move and then when he's all prepared and ready to fight, this fellow will come and call him a name. And if he's offended, he forgets all his moves. Now he's angry. and You cannot win a battle in anger with an opponent. He's very good. That's what Jesus' scripture says. Listen carefully quick to listen, slow to speak. Because offense makes us lose the reason why you are here in the first place for. But if you are humble, you will be persistent. You will not allow real or pursued insults to turn you away from the desperate need at hand. She clung to her need. What was her need? I need my child's deliverance. As far as I know, here is one man who can deliver her. And I'm going to try my best. I'm not going to allow anything. David could have offended when his eldest brother Eliab if right and said, I know you are an arrogant fellow. Why did you leave the sheep and come here? You just came to see the sights. You could have got offended and said, "You not? I walked all the way from and listened to dad and brought you bread and cheese. And you guys are always nasty. So here, yeah, take your bread. I'm going back home. He wasn't offended. He said, isn't there a cause? Think about Israel's history if David was offended that day by what his brother said. He just turned away and said, isn't there a cause? And talked to another person and said, what can, what will the king do? am willing to fight. How many people in history when we stand before God will see how many people lost their life's purpose because of offense. Offense distract them from the main purpose. Imagine now Numbers 20 and verse 12. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. Because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. What did God say? Moses and Aaron? Because of what you did, you will not enter into the... Imagine if Moses had got offended. How his end would have been. Okay, I am not going in. So you take them, I don't care. I'm going on a strike from today. That's how people will Pastor never comments me. He says that one is good, but never says that about me. Okay, I will show him. Moses also said, okay, yeah, I will not enter. Okay, let me see who is going to take them in without me. He was not offended. He was not offended at all. He said, all your ways are righteous, O God. Your ways are righteous. So do you see his physical end? God and him walking up that mountain, talking to each other. God showing him the promised land. And then him dying there alone, and God burying him, the angel of the Lord burying him. Do you see him coming down from heaven on the Mount of Transfiguration and sees Jesus in his glory with Elijah? Would you think that would have happened if he had God offended that day? Sometimes God tests us. We forget what God is looking for might be absolutely so different from what we are looking for. We are looking for a breakthrough. God is looking for a meek and a lowly spirit. And we don't realize these both are connected. Israel is crying, 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 crying for year after year after year after year after year after year after year. year. But God says, I know you are crying for a breakthrough. But how do I break through for you? To break through for you, I need at least one meek fellow. There is nobody. One fellow who is there, chosen before he was born, is so proud and so angry. So God put him on the backside of a desert with his father-in-law for 40 years. Until he was humble. And he's not offended anymore. Then God says, now come, take this stick, go to Egypt, bring my people out. All of them are offended through their journey. Why did you bring us here? Where are their graves in Egypt? Where is food to eat? Where is water? Offended. Anything was an insult for them. Look at the people God used in the Bible. He had to get them to the point like Moses, like Gideon, like David. They wouldn't be offended. Anger and offense goes together. You can be angry at an issue. You can be angry at an issue. You should be angry at an issue. But the problem is when you're not angry at an issue, you take offense, you go back at that person. You talk about history, his geography, his biology, his physics, everything. His family history also. Because you are offended. God says be angry. But he said do not sin. She is angry. What is the issue? She is angry at her daughter's sickness. That is what she is angry at. And she is not angry at the one man who can heal her. Let her call me. Let him call me whatever name he wants. I know what I want. I want my daughter healed. God has shown us a way. The Bible says God has shown us a way. Christ himself in 1st Peter chapter 2. Who committed no sin? No was deceit found in his mouth. Who when he was insulted, reviled, insulted, did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges he did not threaten. He did not revile back. He did not insult. And he was not powerless either. He was not offended by what they said. God has shown us a way. That's why another day I will preach on that. The two great commandments. The greatest and the closest to that. Love God with all your heart, all your might, all your strength. And The second one. Love your neighbor? See, people are not able to love God or their neighbor because they really do not know how to really love themselves. You will never love yourself the way God wants you to love yourself until you know how God sees you. All our loves are false. We love our image In the mirror, we love our image. In the voices and the appreciation of men, we love all. But that's not what is true. What is true is what does God say about me? God says, I'm a dog. I'm a dog. And I love dogs. Because God said, I'm a dog. Oh, Jacob, you worm. Did he say? But that's not what God actually says about us. That's not what he actually says about us. Most of us struggle with anger. And we are never able to resolve the issues in our life. Because we take offense at anything. And here is one who has not offended. It did not matter what they called him. Because he knew who he was. His father's beloved son. That's not going to change. No opinion of man. No comments of man. Nothing is going to change who he is. Because he knows who he is. The question is do we know who we are. So the first thing is. You want your breakthrough. Or your faith is be commended by God as great. Be really desperate. Until we are desperate. We are not going to break through. Second thing. Do not let offence insults a perceived or real distract you from the main purpose. Third thing, yes Lord, yet even the little dogs eat crumbs which fall from the master's table. It's very, okay, the children, the adults also. How many of you have owned a dog? Me? Okay. How many of you have owned a cat? Well, Jobba, you are wrong. You can never own a cat. The cat owns you. You can own a dog. If you have had both dogs and cats, I had dogs and I have had cats. The dog will lie near your table, any bone, any piece. He looks with that line, shiny, liquid eyes, and is grateful for any more. So he will lick your finger also. You get the best cat food. And put it for the cat, the cat looks at, he looks at you. You mean I'm supposed to eat that? That's why if you Google search the Bible, there's no word called cat in the Bible. Plenty times dogs are mentioned. A dog is always grateful for a crumb. Actually, the title of today's message is when crumbs are enough. Can we be satisfied with crumbs from God's table? When it comes to receiving God's grace, are we finicky? Are we a finicky cat or a grateful dog? Or do we think we are too good for crumbs? Do we think we are too good for crumbs? In a hypothetical situation, not here, okay. Here, 10 years you've been trained well. So you know your word. Super. And you next academic year, you're going to a new town to pursue your studies, job, whatever. And you go to a church. Find a church because the pastor said, go to a new town, find a church. So you found a church. And when you went to that church and you heard the messages and everything, it sounds like Sunday school. Okay, and then you went to the pastor and said, because pastor said from there, meet the pastor and say, I'm here. I hope to be here for some time. So, I am here to serve. And the pastor says, Oh, oh, good. Can you come from next Sunday early and clean the church? You're thinking, 10 years in GTC. What does he want me to do? I was hoping God would speak to him that next Sunday I need to preach. Do we think we are too good for Christ? Sometimes we don't understand the context in which Paul writes Philippians 4, 12 and 13. He says, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Let it put a cross in terms of Paul's ministry. Here is a man who has preached to crowds, incredible crowds, who has preached to kings and governors of the Roman Empire, who has stood in palaces, public spaces and preached Now the only opportunity he gets to preach is to a prisoner in a dark cell or the soldier who is tied to him. He said, I am okay with crumbs. I like big loaves. But in your divine plan for the next two years, all I am going to get is a crumb. I am satisfied with that crumb. I am okay with it. I am content. Feast or crumbs, I am fine. They are not. Jesus was fine. It was a crowd of 5,000. Or a Samaritan woman, Dad, I am fine. Today is a feast, 5,000 people. Tomorrow is a crumb, one Samaritan woman. I am okay. I want that song. I mean, Isaac Watts, a famous hymn writer of 17th century, if right, wrote this song. Alas, and did this hymn, did my savior bleed, and did my sovereign die, would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? You go, it's a Methodist hymnal. You go, you'll find in hymnals around the world, you go find any modern hymnal where you will find this word anymore. You won't find, they changed it. Because they find it, found it was offensive. They changed that word, him. They changed that word, "warm," And they changed it into, sinner. Sinner, such as I. And some of the recent ones, even sinner is considered offensive. So they have made it if I am right, such a man as I. Such as I. Someone such as I. See how things are changing? Things are changing. Isaiah 41 and verse 14. Fear not, you worm, Jacob, you men of Israel. I will help you. Now imagine, you are a big man in Israel, and this is the promise you comes to you. You will forget this, I will help you. You will look at that. Did he call me? He called me worm. You are desperate, you need help. And he's offering you help, but in the process he called you a worm, because only worms need help. Fear not you elephant Jacob. You men of Israel, I will why does elephant need help? That's how we want to be. We are desperate in our situation, but we want flattery along with it. That's Naman. Desperate, I am a leper. Here he will come out and he will wave his hand and I will receive my miracle. The prophets from inside sent word, tell him, Go what seven times and go home clean. Did you see? Now we want this to change. Yes, I I will help you. I need your help. But can you change this place? Make it tiger? <laughs> See, if somebody says, Har gali mein kuta hai, we get upset. Har gali mein share hai, we feel very good. <laughs> How we long for flattery. Even when we are desperate, how can we receive mercy? Mercy is for the humble. Without receiving mercy, how can we move to what brings our breakthrough, the grace? How come in spite of all the junk he went through, David always will find help from God because he says, this is what I am, oh God. He says, you'll always have help, my son. We don't realize this without God. We are not even worms. (laughs) Worm has a dignity because he was created by God. So if you are without God, you are an atheist, the worm will say, please don't compare yourself with me. I'm a Bible-believing worm. You are an unbelieving atheist. It's an insult to my race. get offended. Crumbs are enough. Crumbs are enough. Do you come into the house of God with a desperation saying, Lord, anything you ask me to do is enough. I'm not looking for a place here or to be called to prayer. Anything is enough, Lord. Please touch Pastor's heart today or Pastor Vijay's heart today where you will tell him that there is this person willing to do anything. A crumb will do. I just want to serve you. We have to be known. Finally, we end up life unknown. Crumbs. Then, final thing. Great faith is always tested before it can be approved as great faith. We know enough of faith by now and we know Hebrews 11 and verse 6 so well. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. So even to please him at any level, you need faith. To hear from his mouth great faith, how much you must have pleased him. For he comes to God, must believe that he is. And that is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible. Faith is also always rewarded. Faith is also always tested. Our problem is, we don't know the ways in which God tests our faith. Most of the time, tests are camouflaged or disguised as trials, trouble or adversity. Tomorrow you wake up and you are facing a crisis. You never realize it is a test designed by God to check your faith out. James will say this in James 1, 2 and 3. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Why? Knowing that it is the testing of your faith. We never see trials as tests of our faith. Peter will say in 7, 1 Peter, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. The faith is more precious than gold, and gold is tested by fire. God says faith has to be tested before it is approved. How we act, we often act because we know how we act determines our reputation. But we don't realize how we react shows our character. Naman no is standing outside. Send word. Syrian general has come. He got a reply. When he reacted, suddenly realize it's not only leprous in outside he's leprous inside too. Often we are more concerned about reputation than character. See reputation in that words will immediately zoom onto dog. Character will immediately zoom onto the solution. How do you act, how do you react to what people say? You know what my husband told me this morning? You know what my wife said? You know what my father said? My mother said? My boss said? But when your boss said that, that's because there was an issue in the office connected with the work and he wanted a solution, he used a word which was inappropriate, but you're zooming on that word. Six months later, they give you a pink slip and you go from there offended without realizing what set a chain of process was that one thing. You could have taken correction, changed your course, you would have been still in that office. Marriages break up. Most relationships break up is because issues are not dealt. Issues are not dealt. What is the issue? Either it could be an issue of finances, it could be an issue of alcohol, the husband is alcoholic, or you have no enough money, you have to look at the issue, and then it's not. When the issues be discussed, words are spoken. Issue is forgotten, you're zooming on that word because your reputation has been harmed. And we don't realize that trial was a test of your faith. If you are the son of God, come down. I'm going to prove you that. Can you imagine if it was one of our Indian gods? Zoom! The nails would come out. And it would be floating in the middle air. And then one chakra will come out and cut everybody's head up. Now all the sadhus and the sages go to the Himalayas and the top of all this, this thing, and then they come down. And later, one girl is sitting there and thinking about her boyfriend. I'm a sadhu. You haven't fed me. You will forget that man. Offended. Indian mythology is full of stories of offended holy men. We don't realize churches are full of offended saints. Because God calls us saints. And you forget the issue. And issues are never resolved. Because we are zooming on. Zooming on. That's what Shakespeare will say through Mark Antony over Caesar's dead body. The evil that we do lives after us. The good is often. Interred with the bones. All the good is forgotten. All the good is forgotten. Fifteen years of good is forgotten. One word is remembered. And it is going round and round and round in your head. Gone. So God will test our faith. Everybody's faith will be tested. Until he approves. This is a true story. In old, old days, old missionary was retiring, coming back from the mission field. The mission board had put an ad or whatever, however way it was asking for young men to apply to fill his position. There was a young man called Bill or Tom or whatever, very zealous. He applied and he was called to come for an interview in another state in US during winter. This is in US in winter winter you know how it is in those days and the interview was at 4.30 in the morning another state middle of the winter he reaches before time he wades through the snow and he waits and he waits outside and at 4.30 he knocks on the door he knocks and he knocks and he waits and he knocks Assuring and knocks. Finally, finally, at five AM, the lady opens. The missionary's wife opens, and he said, "I am Bill. I've come for the interview." She said, "Oh, please come and sit down." He sits there, and he waits, and he waits, and he waits. Five thirty, six thirty, seven thirty, eight thirty. At eight thirty, the missionary comes to the front room and he says, good morning, sir, good morning, sir. He says, I've come for the interview. He asked him, have you read the missionary that book, manual? Did you read that missionary manual book? He said, yes, sir. He said, okay. Spell the word Bible. He said, B-I-B-L-E. He said, thank you, you can go. The board will meet and let you know whether you are selected or not. Poor guy left. He fell down. He didn't even ask me any question. He just asked me one spelling, B-I-B-L-E. A week later, he was called to the mission board. The board is sitting. And the missionary is also there. And the missionary said, I have tested this young man in every area necessary. And he has passed. The man said, Sir, excuse me. I think you got it wrong. The old man said, No. I tested you for diligence. Anyone who travels in the height of winter and come all the way has determination. I tested you for punctuality. I was awake, but I saw you. You were there before 4.30. I tested you for patience. I made you wait for four hours and you did not leave. Finally, I tested you your humility. I asked you a question. A Sunday school kid could answer. Spell Bible and you answered humbly. You are passed the test of diligence, punctuality, patience, and humility. Congrats. You can take my position. Sometimes we never know how God tests us. What is He testing us for? Our problem is when God is testing our faith often, we don't recognize this as a test. In Matthew 15, verse 27 and 28, she said, Yes, Lord, yet even Little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Jesus answered and said to her, Oh woman, oh woman, great is your faith. Great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. Let it be as you desire. From that moment, the woman's child was healed. So God has also set parameters for great faith. How desperate Great are we for God? Do we take offense? Anybody? You have, a, you have a problem, you go for a solution, the person who should offer you a solution offends you. Do you get offended? Are we just satisfied with crumbs? Satisfied with crumbs? Because a lot of people are not satisfied with crumbs. Honestly, looking at our lives, God has given us more than crumbs. More than crumbs. But my issue always when I deal with God's people, not our church alone, so many churches these days, they come, they ask, they come to me, I look at the dissatisfaction in their lives with God. Is God obligated to us for anything? Why do we think God owes us anything? I've even heard, we are not talking about unbelievers, I've even heard believers say, I wish I was never born. Really? Really? Satisfied with crumbs. Do you know where that crumb comes from? Whose stable it is? Who stable it is. Mephibosab understands. When he meets David, he knows history. Every king will kill the previous king's descendants. And when he says David is asked for me, he is petrified. He says, I am a dead dog. Why do you why are you mindful of me? I'm just a dead dog. Why are you mindful of me? That's what the psalmist is. Who are we? Who am I? That you are mindful of us. That's my first one. David looks at him and says, You know what? I'm returning back to you all your father's estate. And I, I'm not satisfied with that too. You will sit at my table. Eat like one of my sons all the days of your life. And if I am sitting at that table with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Joshua and Gideon and Elijah, if I get a crumb, it's enough. Let them eat the loaf. They deserve it. To sit at that table, to get something from that table, It's an incredible honor, privilege. It's a privilege. So remember, you can be satisfied with crumbs. Faith will be always tested. Only thing we don't know which form the test comes. Job says, every moment, we are tested. Every moment. We are tested. What is being tested? Our faith is being tested. So this evening, be desperate for God if you need a breakthrough. Be desperate. Be desperate. Cling on to Him like David, like Jacob said, unless you give me my breakthrough, I am not going to let you go. (laughs) Did He get His breakthrough? Did God humble him? Is he limping? See, what if God hadn't broken him? Next day he's whole. And he's going to meet Esau. Do you know who I am? Twenty years of my life you are responsible. Nothing. Seven times. This brother hugs him. Hugs he actually receives mercy. He's got 400 armed men. He says, I don't want anything. I love you, my brother. Go in peace. All because he was desperate for God. His breakthrough came. His destiny changed. History of this world will change. A man who was desperate will become Israel. Till the end of time and after time that never, that name will never go away. That's what God is talking about. So this evening shall we stand up, shall we pray? Shall we thank God or Father that you have given us the privilege to be your sons and your daughters? It's a privilege, it's an honor. None of us can ever earn it. It's by your mercy and by your grace alone. come to you, Lord. We thank you, Father. Help us in life not to be offended. Because when we are offended, we wander missing the solution, missing the answer. And we lose lose our purpose in life. And your plans in our life never Come to pass. A man crowned and anointed be to be the first king of Israel was offended by the one line in one song. And he lost his throne. Because he didn't deal with the issue. He was offended. Your word is full. Of instance after instance of faith being tested people being approved help us to be desperate for you Lord help us not to be offended O oh God help us to be satisfied with anything from your hands anything Help us to discern each day that our faith is being tested. Until our faith is tested, we cannot be approved. As we go home, continue to speak to us. Continue to strengthen us that we may cling to you. Continue to cause this desire in us that we'll continue to seek after you. Speak, Father, to us continuously. Help us to see your purposes over and above what we experience in our lives each day. Your purpose is bigger than every incident in our life. Help us to see the hand of God, not to be offended. Thank you, Father. You brought us safely. We also believe you will reach us safely, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.